the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, it's uh, getting close to the end of school. Uh, The mask mandates, or however you want to describe that, are being lifted, and uh, the cities are starting to remove their mandates or whatever they they call those, because there was never a law. Uh, but it's good to see businesses also taking down the sign. That's what I followed more because there was no real law to op- to wear a mask. But I wore it for the sake of others. And I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm one of those who did not think that the mask really did much help. I believe in physics over that, that the air is going to push out to the easiest way. So it's going to get out. But it doesn't matter. You know, Some people believe that it helped and made them feel better, so I wore it. But it's being lifted, and things are getting better. Fewer cases here in Arizona every single week. It's, it's dropping and dropping and dropping, and it's getting better. People are getting vaccinated. People are getting back to normal, and that's what we want. And usually when we go through something like this, <clears throat> not that we've always gone, not that we've gone through a pandemic like this in, in such a way as this, but in circumstances where we go through difficult times in our lives that, that affects everyone, something can happen. A hardening of the heart. I'm speaking to, to religious folks. When you're not going to the worship service, when you've been staying at home, you know, in front of the TV, watching it on Zoom or YouTube or wherever it might be, you get out of your pajamas and your cup of coffee, and it's just so comfortable, isn't it? And when the building gets opened up and there's no more excuses to get up on Sunday morning and actually go, you can't think of anything, but you just don't want to go. What's happening? Well, you're having a hardening of heart. In Romans chapter 2, verse 5, Paul writes, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, You are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Proverbs chapter 28 verse 14. How blessed is the man who fears always, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And then Jesus speaking to the eleven, those apostles there, in Mark 16 verse 14, he said this to them. Afterward, he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table, and he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart. 
because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. It, it is a shame to see people act like that, doesn't isn't it? But what is, I think, more pitiful is to see people who were once such dedicated Christians, who because of years of life or, or, or bad circumstances have become hard-hearted. Oh, over a year and a half of you know not going to the worship service or limited uh, contact with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, they start having hardened hearts. And so, has your relationship with Jesus become lifeless? Has it become stale because your heart is hard? Are you no longer moved by a lesson, touched by the scripture, excited by the song of praise? Spiritual hardness of the heart, just like the hardening of the arteries, can happen to the best of us. So we're going to be looking at a lesson today I want to title, Spiritual Cholesterol, the Hardening of the Heart. And this heart condition is the most serious and dangerous one of all. That is because once I block God from my heart, there's there's not a lot He, God, can do. Now that's not to say that God's not powerful, but He did not create a bunch of robots. We're free to choose to, to do whatever it is we want to do. But if we will open our hearts to God, he has the power to get our hearts running smoothly if they've become clogged with sin. Now, looking at cholesterol, I'm not, I'm not sure uh, when they discovered that. Well, you know, I, I preached this lesson this past Sunday, and we have a doctor, retired doctor, and he brought me pamphlets, like several that he printed out of, of the show. Where did cholesterol, where we first discovered cholesterol? I think he, he said it was around 1965. But whenever that discovery was made, when it was, when people heard about the danger of having that high cholesterol number, they started to make sure that they got that, that checked every year or, or more often. And I think it's interesting that we pay so much attention to the condition of our physical hearts, and yet we ignore and neglect the condition of our spiritual heart. Have you ever... Now, let's do this. How do people get to that point of a hardened heart? And that's the question I want us to answer. Now, we... I don't think that's one of the things where you know people wake up one morning and they just think, you know, they've been faithful servants of God all their lives, and then, then they just think, you know what, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not, it's not a one-day occurrence. We may see it happening like in one day on the other side, but for them, it takes time. This doesn't happen in one day. It's one step at a time. It's a growth. It's the cholesterol builds up. Maybe you and I don't notice happening to others. Maybe we don't notice happening to ourselves, but the point of this lesson today is to, to see be able to see the signs, the warning signs, because these things don't happen all of a sudden. Hardening of the spiritual heart is a gradual process that can take months or, or even years to happen. But once it occurs, it can be deadly. So I want us to focus on how we can avoid becoming hard-hearted. And I want us to also to try to work on a little bit of preventive maintenance. In Psalm 95, the psalmist there is writing about Israel's future with regards to their past. 
And it opens up, I'm just going to read you the first couple of verses here. It says, O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Man, that's a great, I mean, it's a great call to praise there. In my mind, in my, I'm picturing in my mind the Israelite priest standing up before the people, you know, saying, all right, come on, folks, it's time for us to sing praises to God. Let's, let's say his holy name. Let's sing these songs of blessing. But in the back of the crowd, or maybe out there on the edge of the group, the, maybe the priest notices something there. And uh, give me just a second. Sorry about that. Uh, the, no, the priest probably notices something there, uh, up there. And, and it's somebody with a, I don't know, a cynical, sour look on their face, right? And, and they're, it's almost as if they're sitting out there saying, oh, are we going to sing that song again? Do we, do we have to? Is, is it going to be another long service? If we don't get out of here on time, we're not going to beat other people to, you know, to breakfast or whatever it might be. And so maybe he's spotting people who probably act like some folks still do today in our worship services. And because of that attitude, we start missing the worship service on a regular basis. You begin to think, I don't need to be there. I don't have to be there. You know, things were going just fine when I wasn't there, right? And so here I am doing my my own thing. And so we begin to have hardened hearts. And it's no wonder that the psalmist followed up his song of praise with a warning there at verse 8. This is really the key of Psalm 95. Do not harden your heart as at Meribah, as in the day of Massa in the wilderness. Now, note those words Meribah and Massa. The, the psalmist is making reference to what their forefathers did in Exodus chapter 17. The word Meribah means quarreling or, or rebellion. And Massa means testing or contention. He's talking about the story of how the Israelites were freed from Egypt. They were There were probably over a million Israelites who followed Moses out there into the desert. God had proven his ability to take care of the people. You know, they crossed over the Red Sea on dry ground, and God supplied manna and quail to eat. But soon the song of praise gets stale. The courses of worship had become boring, and the people got thirsty. The cholesterol of sin was building up on their hearts, right? So I want us to look at some warning signs of spiritual cholesterol. And the first warning sign is excessive griping. Excessive griping. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, Paul writes, Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And he calls us children of God. Because if we're going to be children of God, then we, we need to be looking to him. And does any parent like to hear their, their children gripe or grumble? If you don't have kids, man, I understand that you, you may not fully get it. You, I know we don't like complaining or griping, but before I had kids, I, I would always hear parents talk about, oh, my kids griping or whining, and they would get so frustrated. And I thought, man, they're really overreacting to this. No, they're not. I've got four kids now, and I am so sick and tired 
of the whining and the griping and the complaining. I'm just like, are you kidding? This is like not a big deal at all. <laughs> it, oh, it drives me crazy. And so children, you know, we do gripe, we do complain, but God doesn't want us to go there very far. We better grow up in our spiritual lives into adulthood, into a more mature person. And mature people should not complain and grumble, but, you know, we, we do. And when you think about children of God in the New, New Testament, over in the Old Testament, it's usually the children of Israel, isn't it? The children of Israel, uh, the, they were called Hebrews, children of Israel, later on Jews. And, and it's those terms are, are used because that's who they were. Because you, you really couldn't quite call them children of God. Because they just didn't really focus in on the Lord. Too many times they would just excessively gripe and complain about all the things going on in life. And, and we do that. We'll get back to Israel here in a second, actually. How do we gripe and complain? I mean, do we? Well, we, we do. It, it almost always happens where you may be sitting around and somebody might say, man, what did you think of the singing this morning? Well, you know, I don't know. It's a new song leader or, well, he, he always leads those songs so slow. He whines and he complains and the excessive griping and complaining. and It just happens. And we get to the point, I think, where we almost start to enjoy it. We take pleasure in our group gripe sessions. And, it, and if you think about what's been going on in the, our country, how many of you honestly have complained and griped about the coronavirus lockdown? I have a lot I think there is time that where you ought to stand up and, and say, hey, we've gone too far. Maybe complain a little bit. But let us not lose focus on what is more important. Because complaining and griping can cause us to lose focus. To, to make us not think about the things of God first and rather than to think about our situation first. The people of Israel did that. They kept saying, if you if you know the story well about when they left Egypt heading toward the promised land, how many times did they say to Moses things like, oh, Moses, why isn't there any water? You, you brought us out here in the desert to die. And this was after they saw all the miracles in Egypt, you know, God sending the plagues upon Egypt, saw the miracle of the of the waters being separated. They crossed over on dry land. They saw the pillar of fire. They saw the pillar of, of of the cloud, they saw the water come down and destroy the um, uh, army of Pharaoh, on and on and on and on again. And yet, what was their attitude? Where's the drinking fountain? Or, in other words, is God all cracked up, well, all that he's cracked up to be? Is he really going to see us through this difficult situation? Is he? And how many of us have asked that question of God? God, are you really going to see us through this difficult situation? Do you see Job asking God that when he was going through all his troubles? God, are you really going to see me through this difficult situation? He, he did wonder. He may have complained a little bit, but he never allowed that to make him lose focus on what was more important. Be careful with excessive 
griping. Another warning sign is excessive doubting. A little doubt's not bad. We all have that. But when my heart continually brings up the negative, doubting side of me, it's a warning sign that I've got hardening of the spiritual heart. Is God really that powerful? Does he care? Can he help? James chapter 1, verse 6, that the man who, who ought to be asking for wisdom must not ask in faith, uh, uh, must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. You know, they'll, he goes wherever the wind takes him. He's easily taken to another way, doubting all the time the decisions that he makes or what he reads. There's a reason why God was displeased with the Israelites at Meribah. There's a revealing comment in Exodus chapter 17, verse 7, about why he was upset. There it says, Because of the quarrel of the sons of Israel, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And their attitude was, Prove it, Lord. God has done his proving already. He showed his power in Egypt. Uh, he showed, today he shows us his power in his word and in the creation. He sent the Lord Jesus, the great I Am. He wants us to he, he wants to see that the hearts our hearts trust in him. Do we believe that God will see his children through life's difficulties? Do we believe that? Hardening of the spiritual heart is a disease that can result in the death of your faith because slowly but surely you just don't trust God anymore. You may be thinking, well, I complain a little bit, Chris, but I still trust in the Lord. Okay, but griping and complaining and doubting are signs that there's a little bit of cholesterol building up. If you don't keep that in check, there's no way to get completely get rid of it, but if you don't keep it in check, if you don't remain master over that, that cholesterol will keep building up until eventually you stop trusting in God. That's what happens. There's a cure for this. The two thing, there are two things that we need in order to get to the cure. Let's say you go to the doctor because you got heart problems. And the, the doctor tells you, you know, uh, we found, Chris, Chris, we found some blockage in your arteries. You might say, oh, do I need surgery? No, you don't need surgery. It's not that serious yet. But left unchecked, it can be. So let's try two things first to help keep this in check. Here's what you can do to help keep the complaining, griping, and the doubting in check. And it's the same things that you do for an actual heart problem. Number one, diet, right? Diet. He's going to talk to you about what you eat. And number two, do you do much exercise? Exercise. And so I want us to look at those two items. So let's look at diet. What kind of diet do we need to have? What are some of the things that we need to watch, watch out for, so so we don't clog our spiritual arteries? Well, item number one, watch out for fat, right? Got to be careful how much fat you eat. Same thing with uh, with spiritual your spiritual heart. Revelation chapter three verse seventeen. This is Jesus talking to the church in Laodicea. He says, "Because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked." You see, the church at Laodicea had grown just grown fat. They thought they had it made. They thought they had everything. Oh, we don't need anything. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. Jesus said to them, Beware and be on your guard against 
every form of greed. For not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. One sure sign of spiritual cholesterol is when, when we just start living the fat lifestyle. You eat as much of the sweets as possible. It's a lifestyle that's filled with affluence, excess, and outrageous consumption of material goods. Money, worldly possessions can harden our heart to a point where we believe like the rich fool that everything's okay because they put their trust in in the material world. It's okay. It's okay to be rich. It's okay to have a lot of things as long as we don't lose sight of what's more important. Just like, you know, complaining and doubting. You're going to have a, a certain level of complaining. You're going to have a certain level of doubting, just like Job did. But don't let that make you uh, cause you to lose sight of what's more important. So number one in our spiritual diet, cut the fat. Can you cut all fat from your, your diet? No, that's impossible. But you do need to moderate it and be careful with it. Cut it from your mind as being important. Okay, number two, watch out for the eyed food, like fried food, right? I'd rather do this. I'd rather do things my way. I'd rather belong to a congregation that do things my way. When I starts too many of my sentences, I can be sure that spiritual cholesterol has caused selfishness to be the diet of food I eat. We're worried about the direction the church is headed in. We're worried about liberalism. We're worried about conservatism. We're worried about doctrinal error. We're worried about a whole host of things. However, if those things are happening in the church, they're probably a direct result of us eating too much eyed food. Eating too much eyed food causes us to turn inward and to focus on ourselves. We get more worried about keeping house than we do anything else. So we, need, we must watch what we eat. Our spiritual diet needs to be monitored at all times. The saying, we are what we eat, is true in spiritual matters as well. What are you eating? Are you allowing God's word to freely flow through your heart? Or is it getting clogged up with all that cholesterol, the other things of this world? The second cure for spiritual cholesterol is exercise. Do the faith stretch, right? I've heard this one mentioned by other ministers. Do the faith stretch. Spiritual exercises is tough because I really only want to do the things that feel good. As anyone who's ever exercised will tell you, if you don't stretch first, you can injure yourself. All your muscles have to be stretched properly. So we stretch our patience muscles and our understanding muscles, our love muscles, our godly living muscles. And how do we do that? We say, God, I'm going to trust in you. And I'm going to do what you want me to do, period. I'm going to wake up in the morning with his scripture. I'm going to wake up in the morning thinking about him and starting my day off with him. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God about things yet not yet seen, in reverence, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. He, could you could you do that? If God came to you and said, I want you to build an ark out here in the desert of Phoenix. Build an ark about the size of a football field, three stories high, because there's a flood coming. 
Uh, Lord, are you sure? <laughs> that takes faith, doesn't it? You need to trust God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Get up in the morning and stretch. Read God's word. Number two, do the speak out workout. Once the heart is right, then we'll be able to exercise in, in the way that we read about in Psalm chapter 51. I need to turn my Bible over there real quick. Psalm 51, it says, starting in verse 13, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open the lips, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. That, that, that's a simple three-step workout. Teach Sing, praise, repeat. And I recommend 50 repetitions of these as much as possible. And you don't have to go out there and like preach a sermon to people, but interject God. If someone has something positive going on in their life, let's say you're talking to the, the, the lady at the register at the grocery store, just say, man, that's, that is such a blessing from God. Just simple thing like that. They're not going to have anything negative to say about that, hopefully. If they do, well, then Keep in mind, in mind next time you talk to them. Or if something bad is going on in their life, maybe their mom's in the hospital or one of their family members has COVID, say to them, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm going to keep that in my prayers about you. I'll remember you, my prayers to God about you on that. And do it. Actually do that. And they will be thankful for that because it shows that you care. You'll be showing an attitude that they, they would be beneficial for them and joyful to see in, in folks, especially in such a divided world. We need to show unity, but it's a unity that you can only find in Christ. Let the world see that. That's letting our light shine forth. And doing these exercises will also open up the pathway for our heart, so God's word will freely flow into it. But we got to take the medicine. we got to do the workout. And you know, you know if you have spiritual cholesterol. We all do to a certain extent. It's going to be a little bit in there. And so we always got to keep it in check, work on it, because we all sin and fail and and falter. But as long as we keep doing our exercises, as long as we keep taking the medicine, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And if we do that, we can help others find the same thing. You know what? I know what helps me. I, I, I stretch out in the mornings. That's how I'm not sore. And that's why I feel better. I feel good because I exercise and I eat the right things. I'm talking about spiritual things. And we can give that to folks and help them get on the right path. A path filled with joy and peace and love and, and remove the guilt from their conscience. We've got it. They need it. Let us get out there and help folks see that they need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Thank you for being here with me this afternoon. May the Lord bless you in all that you do. Have a good afternoon. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.